Hey there, this is Carrie Schaefer, also known as author Carrie Ann King, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Secrets, where I get to take you off the page with the people who make the books we all love to read. Tell Me Your Secrets is produced from live stream video and is owned and copyrighted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Broadcasting Network. Hey everybody, Carrie Schaefer here, your host for today's edition of Tell Me Your Secrets. And I am excited about today's guest, like I always say I am, but before I bring her on, I just do want to mention that I do have some books out there that you might want to take a look at. As Carrie Schaefer, those books are uh, the fantasy series that begins with the between and also my shadow valley mysteries dead before dying is the first book in that series so take a look and if you're here and you enjoy the show i'd love it if you take a minute to just like this page which helps to bring other people over here and let them know what we're doing so that said i am going to go ahead and bring on today's guest I am excited to introduce to you Pamela Fagan Hutchins. Hi, Pamela. Hi, Carrie. How are you? I am doing very well, thank you, all things considered. So I should say a few words about Pamela. She she writes, this woman is like a rock star writer. We were talking before the show, and we'll tell you more about that later, but she makes me feel like a total slacker. <laughs> so um, books, many, many books. How, how many, like, total Pamela now? Let's not, we'll talk about the Patrick Flint series in a minute, but do you know how many you actually have out in the world? I've got 19 individual novels out, just handed off number 20 to my agent. And then I have a children's book and seven nonfiction books. And I don't know what that adds up to. I don't think I know about your nonfiction books. Can you can you tell me what those are? I'm going to ask now that we're there. I think the one that um, that would be most interesting to your watchers slash listeners is I have one called um, "What Kind of Loser Indie Publishes and How Can I Be One Too?" That <laughs> chronicled my early journey and gives tips on how to make this into a business. You know, to go from being kind of a a, a wannabe writer, or even a, a hobby writer to, I want to do this, darn it. And I'd like to make some money at it. So anyway, that one's a lot of fun. And some of them are just narrative nonfiction, making fun of my husband and children mostly. <laughs> which, is, which is always a great pastime, but I love, I love the title of that. That's, that's a great title. That's fantastic. Which fits <laughs> with your sense of humor. Thank you. But we're going to talk about Patrick Flint novels in a minute and the newest book, which is Scapegoat, which is just absolutely gripping. I am actually in the middle. I had to tear myself away to come do the show today, but we'll talk about that more in a minute. So th- this year, though, we were talking COVID is hard for a lot of writers. Yes. And what I hear different stories from different people. And so many of the writers I know have really been having a hard time struggling to write this year and haven't done much of anything. And then you are, do you want to tell us all of the things that you have pulled off in the last year? Oh, yeah, I might as well, because it will make me sound crazy. Um, so in the last year, I've written four Patrick Flint books. And then- Wait, 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 four? Four. four thrillers. Four thrillers. One, two, three, four. Fast to write. So four thrillers. 
Um, and I squeezed in, first of all, three is okay. I don't know about you, but three is an okay pace for me for a year. Four was going to kill me. And then my agent pitched an idea to me and said, can you fit that in? And I said, well, sure. And I did. And then I wrote a children's book. So this has been a really, that's really about 15 months. And it's just, I'm tired, Gary. I'm very I tired. I bet you're tired because here's the thing. You not only, I, I'm pretty sure, t- tell me if I'm wrong, but the Patrick Flint novels are indie published, correct? Yes, they are. They are. I do so, it all. So this is not just writing these books. This is writing these books and then doing all the work around actually getting them ready to publish, getting them published and getting them out there, which is just mind blowing for me, honestly. And I, and I record and produce the audiobooks too. So it's, but I consider that a part of the, um, the final editing process. Wait, wait, wait. you do your own audiobooks too? My own audiobooks. Yeah. Oh, I love doing audiobooks. I'll audition for one of yours someday. I'm okay. um, <laughs> I'm getting better all the time. But um, I was uh, in high school. Um, I was a part of a debate team. And one of the, um, I don't know what do you call it, the, uh, categories that you can compete in was called um, uh, prose. Dumb name, prose. You just have to think back to being 15 years old. Prose, like P R O S E. What you did is you did dramatic readings of fiction or nonfiction. You just picked a book and you got up, you held it in your hand, and you dramatically read that book and did whatever was on the page. And I rocked that baby. I rocked it. So, anyway, for me, it wasn't much of a stretch. I also have done musicals and things like that. And so I love nothing more than when I come to a part in a book where I have to sing too. So it's like, yes. <laughs> So do you, do you tend to put music in your books on purpose so that you get to sing then? I'll never admit that I do that. Never. <laughs> You'll never admit it. But <laughs> it's super fun. It's super fun. But I did this crazy pace originally because my father had gotten sick, which was what spurred the books in the first place, was writing them as a tribute to my dad, the kind of books he likes to read with him as the protagonist. And I was in a hurry because he had a very grim prognosis and I wanted to put one or more books in his hand before he died. Well, since then he's killing it. He's doing great. He is, his three months has turned into three years and we'll see then. But in the meantime, I wrote all these dang books and, um, and they were game changers for me. You know, I, for a while, I kind of been limping along, just kind of scraping by and these books have done really well. And so yeah. I'm continuing to write them and no break in sight, but they're fun to write. And, and in fact, I'm going to go back to something you said that was interesting about the COVID thing this year. I was writing the book my agent asked me to write. And it's more like with the Patrick Flint books are all fast paced. They're um, mysteries, but there is much thriller, um, straight up suspense, you know, pedal to the metal. And I um, had a book the agent wanted that was more like mystery, but women's fiction. You needed emotions in it, like really deft handling of emotions. Well, COVID hit and I couldn't do that. I, I mean, I tried for a few weeks and I was getting nowhere. And I thought, I'm not only not going to finish, I'm going to ruin the book. You know what I mean? Like I'm at the wrong place to write this book. So I put it down and I picked up Patrick Flint and I said, I'm going to write the fastest paced book I possibly can write because that's how I feel inside is anxious with right. all this COVID going on. I feel anxious. I'm going to let that out on the page. And so I wrote Scapegoat. And so that's what's come out here in Scapegoat. And, and truly, people, this book, we have, we have <laughs> for 
stuff. You created a nightmare. Like for me, this is a total nightmare. So <laughs> Patrick and his family are, are you know, planning this uh, wilderness adventure with canoes. And it's okay because it's him and his wife and his two children. He's invited his brother and his brother's wife along and his parents. And it's going to be fine. Well, the brother and the wife show up with seven young offspring. They're all like, what? 10 and under. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my and God. My aunt and uncle who really do have seven kids together. And so with each of these books, I tried to incorporate something that was a nod to something my, what my dad cares about. At the same time as I create an entertaining book for people that don't know that my dad has a brother with seven kids. Right. And so it was a lot of fun to you know, pull back memories and, and use sure. personalities and play with them. And then they just create as much tension as I possibly could. Oh, oh my goodness. See, for me, there's just tension right there. We have seven children and we're going camping. That, 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 that for me, that would be it. That would be the thriller. We're, we're there already. But then we throw in bad guys who are chasing this family and people separated in an injury. And, you know, it just, it's, it, it's nonstop thriller for sure. It was, it was fun to write. And it, and because I don't know about you, but when you write something slower paced, my moods tend to slow down and match and pace with it. I, I kind of, the characters embody me, et cetera. When I'm writing a thriller, uh, it, I move fast with it. And so for me, writing it was fast. Um, writing it matched my internal and external environment. And it just worked. It kind of carried me through March, April, May, you know, mm -hmm. when, when I didn't really want to live in the real world, but I could kind of float on those emotions I was having through a fictional world. So it's like sure. therapy. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Writing's totally therapy. I, although <laughs> I don't know what that says for what I'm currently writing because I, anyway, I'm not going to talk about that right now, but, <laughs> so, but then you were able to go back and do what you needed to do um, for the book. That's a little more women's fiction -y that you turned into your agent. I was this summer when it felt like, you know, in the summer, at least for me, because we live in Wyoming and, and in the summer, things felt beautiful and more languid. And we weren't in a city where there was protests or violence. And we weren't um, dealing really even with COVID where we are. It just worked. And so I was able to squeeze that in. And, um, and now we got to find the pace again. I'm picking up another Patrick Flint. I've got to Something stressful needs to happen. How about that? No, 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 don't go there. You, you, can, you don't need any more stressful. No, you can manage. No. Use, use your imagination. So, okay. So here's another thing I want to do. So you're, you're hell bent to leather, basically writing this thriller that completely is nonstop. And you've done all these books this year. And then all of a sudden, somewhere along the line, this thriller writer said, I think I need to do a children's book about a puppy. I, <laughs> tell me, tell us about that. Okay, so this was kind of between uh, writing Scapegoat and Bighorn. Bighorn is the name of the other book that's for my agent. And, um, and so my dad, who has cancer and had this horrible diagnosis, gets all these good test results. And my daughter tells my mom, he needs a puppy. Well, his name is Poppy. We call him Poppy. And she said, Poppy needs a puppy. He needs a puppy. He's doing good. We need to get him a puppy. So they conspired and got him a puppy for July in July for his birthday. And he's fallen in love with this dog. He treats him better than he's ever treated his kids. And, you know, and so the joke became, you should write a book called Poppy Needs a Puppy. 
well, that's the perfect way to procrastinate against a book that you're having trouble writing is to sit down and write a children's book. It took me half an hour to write the first draft. And I thought that works. And, um, and played around with it, talked with my agent about whether we'd shop it, but it, I didn't want that timeline. I wanted, I wanted to be able to put it in my dad's hands. So anyway, right. I worked with um, my daughter-in-law who is a um, digital artist and a elementary art school teacher. And we um, storyboarded it and put together the illustrations and it's a labor of love between the two of us. And it's cute and it deals with empathy. Um, it, you know, empathy for people that are either sick or in this case, the puppy has a, has a disability, um, Petey the puppy. And then you're gonna love this. I have a friend that's a Grammy nominated songwriter, singer, you know, used to be a top 40 pop musician. And she's like, you need a companion song for that. <gasps> and I'm like thinking, I can't pay for a companion song. This is a labor of love project. She's like, no, no, I'm going to write it for you. She writes it. She plays all the music. And then she sends it to me and says, okay, you sing it and then send it back and I'll produce it. And I'm like, what? So anyway, <gasps> I got to um, play with her with music. And now we have this cute little companion song that goes. Oh, how fun. Now, see, if I'd known that in advance, I would have got you to or asked you to send the soundtrack over and we could have played it for everybody. There but. you go. There you go. Well, I should have told you, I, it's, it's, you know how long it takes to get used to the idea that people read your innermost thoughts through your words. It's a new <laughs> level of um, worrying about what people think when you're now singing to go along oh. with the book. And it's like a serious thing. Like when I'm doing the audiobooks, I'm kind of silly. It's like, you know, it's just you break into the song because it's there and you pull back out. You keep going. But this is a recorded song. Right. Oh, and everything all of a sudden becomes just very, very. I get that. Yes, absolutely. Right. <laughs> it was so much fun. The whole what, a, what a fun project to do as a change. I, I, I think that's that is very cool. Um, that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like a gift, you know, yeah. like a, a little a break, a blessing. And I'll probably do a few more in this series because I've, I've always I've always wanted to make my Boston Terrier who's blind famous in books. And his name is Petey. So this is all this is his. Oh, book. so Petey, the blind puppy. So in the book, Poppy gets a, a blind puppy. Yeah. And... <sighs> <laughs> oh, puppy. Yeah. Oh, my heart. Yeah. As, as you know, I have a puppy. Is it is your puppy in the room? No, no, no. I am. I'm down in the office, which is the only place I can really I mean, in my downtown office, actually yeah. away from the house, because if I'm home. Um, yeah. <laughs> Puppy would not be conducive to this conversation. No. Um, Before we went on live a minute ago, guys, my um, my cat, who normally is like, oh, Pamela, you're so uncool, was like crawling all over me because I had the audacity to be setting up for a podcast. So animals and home broadcasting. And the puppy, I mean, the kitty was, he's beautiful. He's not there anymore now that we would like to show him off, right? Yeah, he's totally left now. But yeah, of course. Grumpy faced, grumpy faced cat. And he's so sweet. See, we have at our house, we also have two cats. One of them who just, you know, the puppy would love to play with cats. The cats don't want to play with the puppy. So, you know, one of the most frequent things that said to the poor puppy is leave the cat alone. Um, but <laughs> we have one of our cats is mean. She is. She's a mean cat. We have words for her that I'm not going to say on the podcast that she <laughs> hears a lot. She is just not a nice cat. She will literally we have a baby gate. Um, to block off the mudroom for the puppy, who, by the way, has figured out that she can't go over it. But anyway, another story. Um, 
puppy's on her side of the gate, minding her own business. And the mean cat comes up, sits at the gate, pokes her nose through. Puppy comes up and sniffs and gets slapped. Like the cat <laughs> came over on purpose to yeah. set her up for a, for a slapping. Cats are evil. She I is love evil. That about them. You know, I love that. I respect that. I think I'm more like a cat than a dog, you know? Me too. Very much so. Dog dogs are just so giving and they, they make me feel guilty. Cats, cats, I don't feel so bad because they'll, they'll get over it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, let's talk about where people can find you to find sure. all of this wonderful, these wonderful books and things. So you have a website, I believe. I do. PamelaFaganHutchins.com. They and, can find my books and they can also find my old podcasts there from the show that I do, two of which feature Carrie. Yeah, they do. I get, I got to be on Pamela's show, which is often. And your show your show is called what? Again, Wine, Women, Wine, and Writing, Wine. correct? Mm -hmm. Right. So look it up. Pamela's show is very fun and very awesome. Um, so if you're listening and not looking, you can't see your name. It's Pamela, spelled P-A-M-E-L-A, Fagan, F-A-G-A-N, Hutchins, H-U-T-C-H-I-N-S dot com. And then same thing on Facebook. That's your Facebook page. So yes. um, it's kind of easy to find you. With that. So one last thing before we go, I forgot to ask you, do you have a copy of the book with you? And would you read a page for us? I wish I did, but I just literally, there's a local bookstore here. I live in um, near Sheridan, Wyoming and Sheridan Stationery and Books just got all our copies of Poppy Needs a Puppy. So I can't even read it to you. I can't even show it to you. And it's so cute. Although, you know what? I could pull it up and show it as a share screen. Um, let's see if I can do that because okay. it is, the cover is really cute and <laughs> it's just going to be the cover. So um, this is the things that you know how to do if you are... A, um, there, you'll have to add it, I guess. It's, I can, um, okay, you, they won't let you add it. Okay, all right, we're going to add this to the stream. And that's there we what, go. That's the puppy needs a puppy. The artwork is adorable. It um, is, and I just, I just love it. I'm very, very excited about it. So, so cute. Well, what about scapegoat? Scapegoat is really, especially because I released it knowing it was a bad season to release in, but it was my schedule and I stuck to it. And I really didn't do anything other than just put it out there to the people that had already been reading the series. And it's done really, really well. And I'm so appreciative. Awesome. That love it. I tend to find that this, um, this is a, a mystery that's set well, this particular book is a is suspense thriller, but the series is more of a mystery series, and it's set in the 1970s in Wyoming, very adventurous. So I get a lot of male readers, which for me is um, atypical, but I, I get a lot of male readers and female readers, and um, and I unabashedly use my hot husband in all the advertising for the book. He's the cowboy that if you ever see my ads, you'll see do you do you do you do you have a copy of that book with you by any chance? I didn't um, ask you, so I'm kind of putting you downstairs. on this. I do, but downstairs. Okay, um, don't worry about it. It's I'll fine. Throw it up on screen too, but okay. Um, but it's it's um scapegoat, Patrick Flint number four. Patrick Flint number four, scapegoat. Um, and you guys you want to read this, you you might want to start at the beginning, but you wouldn't have to. It's no, not I try really hard to write each book as a standalone, but there's a big payoff 
to readers who do read in order because you do get character development between each book. Sure. Any one of them. Right. You get the character development. And I think, you know, one of the things I love really quick is just um, in this one. Well, actually in all of them, I think Trish, the the teenage girl, she gets a a pretty, she carries a pretty big part in this story. She does. She has to grow up some in this story. Um, She doesn't have the luxury of being a bratty teenager um, because she finds herself lost in the Grovant wilderness um, with her five-year-old cousin and they're by themselves and it's very scary and she has no grown-ups to turn to. So she can't whine and complain anymore. Uh, I loved having to age her up a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that she carries, you know, a lot of the weight in the story because yeah. there's, there's some, some other things going on besides just being lost. So that's, I'm not going to tell anymore. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, and the next thing, so you're working, I was going to ask what's next, but we know the next thing is another Patrick Flint novel. And Next thing. Yeah. The next thing you'll see from me is another Patrick Flint novel. It's called Snaggletooth and it's going to be a novel that is based in the Bighorn Mountains. Patrick and his kids have just um, recovered from their having to testify in a trial related to uh, what's Saul, going on, the third book in the series. <laughs> and they decide to go on a trail ride in the mountains and a plane goes down and, and Patrick once again is drawn by his sense of honor and duty and feels like they've got to go and see what they can do to help survivors. And of course, you know, that's not going to go well. So. Right. No, of course not. Because things do not go well for this family. I'm, I'm just well. saying they have a lot of bad luck. But really bad luck. <laughs> um, so that's uh, Snaggletooth. And then the one I wrote this summer was really a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm excited about it. It's it's new for me and that I'm handing it off to somebody and saying, okay, do what you will with it. But it's called Bighorn. It's a new series and it's it draws in characters from the Patrick Flint series, but in a contemporary age, it draws in characters from my, some of my other series, but literally my agent pitched it to me instead of me coming up with the idea. He said, wow. what I'd love to see is I'd love to see you write a book about an attorney from Houston and her husband that escaped to the mountains and run a bed and breakfast. And I'm like, wait a second, where'd you <laughs> get that incredible idea? Because of course that's narcissistically speaking, me. And he said, <laughs> I don't know, but I think people like that kind of escapism and that idea of getting yeah. in So write that book. And awesome. I'm, so now that's what we've got. It's a little bit of, uh, it's like Nora Roberts meets Yellowstone. You know, it's not that that edgy, every character is an unredeemable jerk you get in Yellowstone, but you get that feeling, that atmosphere, that setting, but you have um, healthier relationships, I like to say, healthier. Right. No, that sounds, that sounds wonderful. So now we'll be waiting, waiting yeah, for we'll news on that one. That. We'll see. Fingers awesome. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Pamela, thank you so much for being here. I always, I love talking to you and this is, you know, really the only time you and I ever managed to get together is when we're interviewing each other. And we have these great conversations and I think, man, I just need to call her next week and then it's till the next show. But we have these 20 minute conversations before the show. (laughs) But it's great to see you. It's good to see you too. All right, guys, the book is uh, Scapegoat which is number four in the Patrick Flint series. You can, you're going to want to read them all. So go find them. It's PamelaFaganHutchins.com. Thanks so much, Pamela. Read a good book, guys. I will see you back next week on Wednesday with another awesome guest. Bye. Bye.